0: And I wanted to catch up with Tyler because their latest volume of Modern Huntsman, if you're not familiar with Modern Huntsman, it's this beautiful publication. I don't think you'd call it quarterly, but it comes out every so often. I think they've had eight volumes thus far. And it marries beautiful photography with very good written stories, opinion pieces. And this latest volume is all about Africa. And there are some phenomenal articles. I literally sat down with Volume 8 and went through it in an evening with a good whiskey. And just absolutely relished the articles. Loved the photography. Loved how it was all put together. And so I wanted to get Tyler on here to just talk about the volume. Talk about Africa. Talk about the issues of Africa. And the things that he saw. So enjoy. Yeah, so... It's my style, mechanic shirt, man. It's like you know who I am. Here's my name. You know, you've got your style. You know, you're much more suave than I am.
1: Well, less practical, right? If you need to (laughs) change oil or something like that.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I probably couldn't change oil. That's the thing. (laughs) That's the problem here. But um, no, man, you, uh, uh, I've always looked up to the way that you like present yourself and put yourself together. Thank you. I will say this: just like me. Getting a little bit more salt. Oh yeah. In the in the hairline, not mm-hmm. so much in the beard. Like mine's yeah. got full salt oh, in, the, yeah. in the front.
1: It was uh, let's let's call it a, a tumultuous gauntlet of the last 18 months. Uh, gave me a little bit of seasoning. So.
0: So you guys have? Oh, I turned myself way up
1: too high.
0: Had had a. The typical COVID pandemic yeah. nonsense. Yeah,
1: I just you know I, as everyone dealt with obstacles and mm-hmm. you know and recently I don't know how many people deal with printing, but sure. similar to the whole toilet paper thing, there really? became there became a paper hoarding situation where there was mentions of shortage and people just started buying up stock and and prices went up by forty percent and Dang. that's a situation where you, you kind of have to reassess the whole yeah, budget exactly. and business model and so yeah and then obviously so much of what we do is based on travel and, sure. and so with couldn't travel closures and and restrictions and right. all that kind of stuff so right, right. um yeah but you know i think that as uh i don't know if you're familiar with stoicism right but you know the old greek philosophers the obstacle is the way kind of thing so mm-hmm. you just those problems don't give a shit about you you've right. got to figure out a way to mm-hmm. overcome and, and mm-hmm. find a new thing so I think, you know, not just me, but I'm sure you and a lot of other people had to do a lot of soul searching and uh, rolling up the sleeves and being like, am I going to break or am I going to become better? So hundred
0: percent, hundred percent. Well, Tyler Sharp, I know we've been trying to get this done for quite some (laughs) time and uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. For those that don't know who you are, why don't you give us a quick introduction?
1: Sure. So, uh, well, my name is Tyler Sharp. I'm the founder and uh, editor in chief and Few other things with Modern Huntsman. I like to say, head idiot of Modern Huntsman. Multiple but, uh, hats. Yeah, a couple hats. Uh, yeah, and and as you know, I spent my career in the hunting industry, uh, filming hunts all over the world, mm-hmm. and through that process, kind of saw two major observations, which led to Modern Huntsman. Which which was one that many hunters and hunting organizations, in my opinion, were not doing a, a, an effective job of communicating hunting's role in conservation mm-hmm. to people who don't hunt. Hundred percent. And then vice versa. I went to film school in Los Angeles and I had a lot of friends from these urban areas who are still friends of mine. But when they found out that I was going and filming African hunting safaris, they turned on me and got very emotional and Mm. and sometimes like violently critical. And so that's the other part of that, that there's a a major part of, let's say, you know, 80, 85 percent of the global population that just doesn't understand how it works. Mm -hmm. So that communication gap is essentially what we focus on mm-hmm. and um and so that's you know that's ultimately consumed my life in the last five years um and i've got i'm from texas my i've got a te- my mother's from a really small town right her name's barbie lee okay and i don't really know if she fully understands what i do and i, I tried to explain <laughs> it to her recently and she goes wow sounds like you're diving head first into controversy that's right uh, pretty much that's actually a good way to break it down talking
0: so. about people turning on you did you have you been following the uk Animal Abroad Act trophy hunting ban situation. Uh,
1: I I have been through Byron. Okay, so right. today
0: there was a environmental. There's a very big. He's he's pretty big. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who he was. But yeah. His name is George Mumbiot. Okay. Uh, environmental and political activist. Sure. Hates hunting. Mm-hmm. Came out today with a Twitter thread mm-hmm. in which Amy Dickman worked with him and said, "Look, I'm not a hunter either." Mm-hmm. But I want to show you something. I want to show you my science. Yeah. And he tweeted today saying, I still hate hunting. Mm-hmm. I still think trophy hunting, and the people that trophy hunt, I ab- abhor them. Sure. But the science has proven that the trophy hunting model works for sustainable wildlife conservation. Sure. Yeah. You should have seen. You should see the shitstorm oh, that I'm has sure. been, that has occurred. <laughs> but from our standpoint I was like, yeah. that's the person, right? We we're not trying to make you hunters. No,
1: it's just it's inconvenient truth.
0: An inconvenient truth, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Not so
1: quoting Al Gore here, but you know, <laughs> a, well, you know that that's something that we've uh, I've I've said very gently quite a few times in the last few years. Especially when we've hosted panel discussions that have people from non hunting backgrounds or mm-hmm. maybe they're conservationists or animal rights backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, just because you doesn't like just because you don't like something doesn't make it wrong. One thousand percent yeah. correct. So that's interesting. I'll have to I'll have Byron's kind of my source of news, so I'll be like, Hey Byron, what do I need to know about this?
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, and his he goes through like a whole Twitter thread, like why? That that was the top station sure. and then he just knocks it down. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. That was amazing. So you just come back, obviously COVID restrictions released uh, and you decided, okay, now at the time Africa release is coming, we need to go to Africa. Mm -hmm. So you obviously, you had a lot of pit stops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we originally got some of these grants and some of these partnerships to produce the Africa issue in 2019. Mm -hmm. So the original plan was to produce this, you know, spring, early summer of 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. Right. So we had some stuff in the can, (coughs) but in in this particular case, uh, obviously, Byron and I have a massive archive of places we've been over the years and a lot of contacts and connections. And so we certainly utilized that as much as we could remotely, sourcing from people's archives, Mm -hmm. going back from interviews we did and things Mm -hmm. like that. But in terms of the main focus of our time on the ground, we were with the Cabela family. uh, In Mozambique. Yes, and uh, Katata 11, Mm -hmm. which I know you're familiar with. Um, and uh, some of your listeners might have heard of the Twenty Four Lions Project. Right. So, no, it's not really. In, it, it's
0: the Twenty Four Lion Project is it's it's the wrong terminology. It's like the Fifty Eight Lion Project. Well, sure. Yeah. Right? Originally,
1: yeah, Twenty Four <laughs> they were reintroduced, but now no, there's there's all close to eighty now. Jeez, that's yeah. amazing. And so what was cool, and because of the success of that project, right, they are now reintroduced or have now reintroduced cheetahs. Right. So we were there. A few days early, and literally saw the planes land, and they start uncrating. I can't remember if it was 11 or 12 cheetahs. I think it was originally supposed to be 12, but mm. then only 11 made yeah, it. Yeah, I think so too. Something like that, and so Byron and I basically started documenting the process from them hitting the ground. So we missed the whole portion of them getting the permits, them sourcing the cheetahs, right, you know, right, getting right, all right. that that whole infrastructure yep. and logistics. And then, you know, they pretty much take them straight over to Bomas that they've built. Correct. Right, because in this case, their their initial theory was we don't want to do a hot a hard release. Just
0: acclimatize them to the system.
1: Yeah, and so it was a lot of excitement and frenzied activity, and then all of a sudden we're just drinking beers, celebrating Waiting. the fact that they made it, and that right. these cheetahs are there, and, and they were there for five or six weeks. And mm-hmm. then this, Byron and I started diving into the story, and we basically spent a week there with, with Mark Haldane mm-hmm. and Zambezi Delta Safaris and, and his team of, you know, obviously PHs and anti-poaching teams and biologists and cat researchers, um, and then the Cabela family, which formally is the Cabela Family Foundation. Sure. There was three generations of them there, and we were doing daily helicopter missions to, uh, in some cases, recollar those lions, and then we actually collared the first uh, cubs born from the the introduced lions wow. which was pretty cool that's amazing and so one two how of old s- were
0: those cubs like nine months ten it's months something like that yeah,
1: maybe yeah. maybe just over a year yeah i, yeah. I don't remember exactly be, yeah. uh Willem, i can't remember Willem, Willem's Villem's last name but he's the the cat researcher and every day twice uh, twice a day the satellite would ping the um uh the collars and so we'd go check the the data and then go out in the chopper to try to find them and so one of my several pieces in the Africa issue was I got to do a full sit-down interview and kind of a retrospective on Mary Cabela, mm. which was just which was amazing. And uh, the story is called Mary Cabela, Mother of Lions, because sure, she, of she feels this close connection and love to these lions. Not in like, a, oh, yeah, these are domestic animals. Right. She very much understands how dangerous they are, right. but they single-handedly funded but she also understands the hunting model. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And they they don't intend to, I don't believe they intend to ever hunt these lions.
0: So I, uh, as I understand it, yeah. The, obviously, you know, that's a touchy subject to sure. talk about and whatnot. You know, in terms of rhetoric, what I understood Dan to say is that the original right. 24 will never be hunted. Right, yeah. And then once they reach a sustainable carrying capacity sure. based on the science, based yep. on, hey, we think that there's now lions spilling out. Yeah. Now there's an opportunity to, you know, recruit revenues back into a system and, yeah. and sustain that wildlife.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so with it was pretty cool because I got to be in the helicopter with Mary and Dan when you know they they dart the first and that that the whole darting from the helicopter thing. This was literally I wrote about this in the, in the story. So I did a second story about the family foundation and the cheetah reintroduction. Mm-hmm. So it was that and then the Mary interview, and it was it was like the cast of the A Team you know the the doctor João Alameda is like the portuguese right. vet who oh, like, yeah, yeah, looks yeah. like a s- football player you know his hair's all slicked back and mm-hmm. um and so there's just amazing cast of characters mm-hmm. that that were there and so it was pretty amazing to get to be there uh with with her and with Ivan Carter obviously sure, sure. walking up to the first cub right. that was born of their efforts mm-hmm. and that that was pretty special special and emotional for her um and well, it's so, never happened before that no,
0: kind of project of reestablishing predators yeah. into a landscape that yeah. they had been extirpated from yeah it doesn't happen
1: and and it was interesting to s- to hear the process of research for them to find out whether or not cheetah were actually historically present there and they had actually gone back to like the royal library in yeah. in england wow. which i believe is in london and they found documentation from I, want, I can't remember the exact date, but it was like 1903 wow. or 1910, some of these original hunting expeditions, and there were recorded sightings of cheetah in Katata 11 on this floodplain yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So they were able to at least prove that, yes, they were there, and they were like, okay, well, you know, let's go for it. And, and so, so far
0: the thriving, right? So I far so good.
1: I, I believe that, that there have been one or two that they've lost, mm. Um Cheetahs are obviously a lot more fragile. Sure, of course. Um, but but those were natural causes. They weren't, mm-hmm. you know, running into villages. They've had to redart them several times and move them away and things gotcha, like that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, so far so good. They're, they're it, considering it a, a great success, and obviously they're going to continue to watch how it develops. But, uh, yeah, I've never I've never been present for something like that. Had and you been to Mozambique before? No, I actually had not. Yeah, Beautiful I mean, country. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. And uh, and I think we're, we're sort of ruined, right, because to go – straight into Katata 11 mm-hmm. to see the incredible mm-hmm. work they've done there and also be kind of the daily program is like okay well we're gonna go out in the helicopter and go check on the buffalo herd and then and then they actually collared uh, the first forest elephant forest dwelling elephant right. in okay. the area and we, you know we, we would sort of divide and conquer on who was going to do what and byron drew the short straw on this one and he went out on the uh, leopard collaring at night Oh, right. So they had a houndsman there. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah, they tree this leopard and dart it and then stand underneath with a net. And when it fell out of the tree into the net, it woke up and no way. And Conrad, you know, the big African, yeah. grabs it by the tail and like, you know, tries to jab it with another dart and it got away and went up another tree and Byron has all this on video. <laughs> so we're actually going to be releasing this uh we're we're doing a little film series with Swarovski Optic and we're releasing these kind of behind the scenes mm. uh videos of all of you know, basically like how Byron and I sure. what we were doing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I told him, I was like, Do you still wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that hellcat sound of Jeepers, the leopard creepers, getting it? Yeah. Man. So he said it was an amazing experience. I'm like, Yeah, I would have loved to have been there, but I was also glad to just have a regular night of sleep. That's right. <laughs> and hear about it from you. gosh, so, man. Yeah. So
0: you were also in Tanzania and yeah. you're
1: also in Kenya. Yes.
0: Um I don't so much want to know why. Sure. But I want you because there's very few people that go between the two places. Sure. And historically, mm-hmm. if, you know, for for context for the listeners, Tanzania has hunting, mm-hmm. huge blocks available for hunting. Kenya, no hunting. Mm-hmm. No hunting since 1974. Yeah. Did you see differences? And you may not in Kenya have gone to places, but did you travel through places that you're like, shit, man, there's nothing here. Like, I don't know.
1: I'm, I'm asking because I've never been on the ground in Kenya. Sure, sure. So, um... Yes and no. So on that trip in particular, no, because we basically flew straight into the Masai Mara. Oh, gotcha. Right. And, and, and the Masai Mara, obviously, Wildlife is, paradise. A, is, a, is, a, is a paradise. Uh, but in conversations with some of the predator research projects and and, and some of the Maasai and, um, and other people, you know, a lot of the times the camp managers are folks who used to hunt or worked in other game reserves right, and right, things right. like that. So we had a lot of conversations surrounding um, that reality of sustainable use of land right it's got to have multi-function for land and then also and we dive into this a little bit in in this africa issue comparing photographic tourism to hunting tourism mm-hmm. what are the pros and cons mm-hmm. what are the best use case scenarios You're right in some areas hunting wouldn't work absolutely correct but in other areas photographic uh, uh, absolutely tourism are, are not viable exactly um and they have obviously ups and downs for economic uh and community value and things like that but I would say that we something. Her name's Marley Sianto. She's um, a young woman. She's probably around our age. She was Maasai, born a Maasai, gotcha. but has um, sort of worked her way through into conservation and political circles. Um, she's very, very uh, intelligent and and articulate, and has she's here at the show. She was also in Dallas, and she's been exp- you know now being sort of introduced to the hunting community for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's just opened her eyes to a whole new world of, of, right. of conservation. Sure. And she's very clearly seen the numbers about, okay, in, in a place like Tanzania where hunting is allowed, the, you know, for the most part, the wildlife numbers are increasing versus Kenya. The wildlife numbers are decreasing, right. and Declining, right. And and so, I think that th- those are things that we discussed with her. You know, we did a couple of podcasts that we're going to release, mm-hmm. um, and and that's again, like you said, we're not trying to ram it down yeah, of anything not. somebody's throat, yeah. but for somebody who, that's their heritage, mm-hmm. right? That's their mm-hmm. culture, and that's their
0: yeah. And Kenya uh, was, is known for wildlife, right? Sure, sure. So why not have a tool in the toolbox, whether yeah. you use it or you don't use
1: it? Yeah, and I think that you know what's what's really interesting to dive into and, and what we discussed a lot is it, it's these conservation islands right mm-hmm. you go outside the Masai Mara exactly. and it's, it's, it's a desolation. sprawl of, of uh, humanity. humanity yeah and so the, through the loss of these wildlife corridors um you know yeah in these concentrated areas Amboseli and Savo and, and um, Masai Mara there's you know concentrated wildlife but in between those it's it's yeah. non-existent yeah there's nothing and there's no and there's not those same corridors mm-hmm. and so it's more about the land use right and, and creating value and as you know obviously having as much uh, connection to africa as you do that if the local community doesn't see value mm-hmm. in that wildlife it's not going to survive Yeah, hundred percent. and so it's it's more about the creating a a patchwork mm-hmm. of use f- sustainable use of land and and wildlife resources and so i think that's where it gets so complex and and just having people being open-minded about discussing what those tools are what the best tool for that job is yeah sure yeah
0: did you go anywhere else did you go to Botswana? Uh,
1: not this time. Yeah. So we were in. So we were in the Masai Mara, and then we went down to the Maswa Game Reserve, mm-hmm. uh, and then we were in the Grumeti Reserve, which okay. is borders the Serengeti, which is a very interesting yep, yep. model where they allow hunting, but only for certain part of the year, yep. um, and then the other part they operate photographic. So yep. it's interesting in a place like that to talk to some of the staff and some of the rangers and, and the canine units, you know, the Grumeti fund does amazing anti-poaching work. And we got to spend time with their dogs. Um, they all see the value in hunting, right? But then a lot of these high-end clients who come through, they don't even think about it. They right? don't want to know about it. No, exactly. And yeah. so I think that that's, to me, uh, one of the keys is how can you start to have those conversations? You know, a lot of cases, some of these high-end photographic Safari companies—they—they they don't care. They don't mm-hmm. want to risk their, 100%. R- you know, affecting their bed nights and mm-hmm. and their, uh, you know, their bookings and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So if you can start to inch towards uh, communicating and 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 coming down to the to the same tip of the spear there, that it's got to be that's got to be communicated to photographic guests so they understand that hey look i may not like that but it's it's integral mm-hmm. to protecting what this is because otherwise it's just and then also the impact on the land with photographic right. with Water and fuel and people right. and all that. Yeah, the amount compared of to amount of
0: traffic and compared to 100 percent one person coming into hunt, or two yeah. people coming into hunt. Yeah.
1: So, so, but we did. So I didn't go to Botswana myself, but we we published a story um, about the Botswana elephant situation. Okay. Um, it's actually uh, it was out of nowhere. We wanted to do a deep dive, and and we had been working with the National Geographic photographer, a friend of mine. Um, because we felt like it, the perspective, sh- it's important that it should have been from a non-hunter mm. who was going in to just learn about sure, how this works.
0: Sure, sure, absolutely.
1: And that fell through with, with COVID and all that. Excuse me. <coughs> and so I think that we got approached by a, she's a Pakistani-American um, political journalist. So okay. she most of her work had been done in the political realm. And her husband, I forget what he does, but for some reason they got relocated to Botswana. And she was embedded with a lot of these communities for, okay. I don't know if it was a full year, but it, wow. but it was quite some time. And she her eyes were opened to the local perspective mm-hmm. of why elephant hunting and, and the use of elephant as a wildlife wow, resource wow. should be allow, allowed. Um, and she came to us with this story and said, hey, I, w- I would love to tell my perspective. And so we, we published this story yes. from her and then... You know, in a perfect world I would have loved to have had original you know new photography that we yeah, commissioned. Yeah, yeah. But with COVID we had to be creative and in sourcing images from, from sure, other people sure, and, sure. And, and using sort of uh, fo- you know, elephant photos from our archive. Right. But um yeah, it's a uh it sounds a, like an awesome it's an piece. interesting one. And then the other one that um I'm excited about excited slash a little nervous about releasing, uh there's a um a journalist named Emmanuel Mm Koro from South Africa. I know Emmanuel. So Emmanuel wrote a scathing gloves (laughs) off. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. (laughs) A scathing gloves off um, what we're calling an African perspective on what's going on with CITES. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the insider trading and, and, you know, quote, corruption um, and people buying influence with countries to sway votes and things like that. Um, And so... He, there are a ton of references, right? There's a lot of information that um, that he puts forward um, that we obviously did whatever we could to to fact check, um, but at the same time, these are his views, sure, right? Of course, and so An opinion piece essentially, more or less. It is a um, heavily researched, well documented yeah. opinion piece. Yeah, but I think for the most part, this is. Um, you know, this is an African it's man, the African voice. It, it this is an African man who's pissed off about Western countries meddling in the policy for their wildlife management, right? And we gave him the mic, mm-hmm. and <laughs> well, the
0: thing is, the thing about Emmanuel is that yes, it's his voice, but it actually isn't his voice, right? He, you know, this the, you you saw that letter, two hundred and sixty community signed yep. on against yep. the UK Animal Broad yep. Act and anti trophy hunting bans and yep. whatnots. That's that's their voice. Sure. And Emmanuel just happens to be a journalist that is outspoken. Absolutely. And he's funneling those frustrations mm-hmm. into his writing. And yeah. You know, the SADC countries are fed up with mm-hmm. CITES. It's like, why don't we get a voice wherein we can see you having yeah. drinks with the people that are against us doing the things that we mm-hmm. need to do with our resources. Yeah,
1: And it's yeah. all politics now. Yeah, it is. And so, you know, I think that I mean, you, you and I talked about this Africa issue years ago, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think it's we just had to get the monkey off our back, right? That it's such a massive undertaking, and we had to scale back our expectations and say, look, we could never expect to, to produce course. a volume that's all-encompassing, of course. but we've got to start the conversation, and mm-hmm. we've just got to get this out there, mm-hmm. and then we are anticipating to do ongoing you know, extensions of, of all of these topics because Mm. they're very important and hopefully it shakes the tree enough that, that people uh, sit up a little straighter and be like, Whoa, I mean, get your, grab your popcorn, you know, watch the comments kind of thing. Uh, But so far so good. I mean, obviously it's just now starting to to ship out, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we're going to start publishing some stuff online. And, um, and Byron, did some really interesting mixed media podcasts that we're going to release as extensions of these stories, nice. um, very, you know, almost like this American life Yeah, right, yeah, yeah of produced course. and we've got field audio and sure, all that sure, kind of sure. stuff. Fantastic. So that's been a dream of Byron. And so it was cool to finally, well, it needed, you know, it's yeah, needed in yeah, the podcast space. Definitely. That yeah. sort of
0: like, uh, reality mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah.
1: I know. And, and I tried to join him on more of them in, in Mozambique. I was obviously there and I feel like all I was adding to the conversation was just cracking open beers by the mic and and making jokes and stuff like that. But uh, hopefully I contributed a little bit. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: How do you think the... How do you think your typical Western hunting audience is going to take all of this African content? Sure.
1: Hopefully well. Um, I would say... And, and I would imagine you've probably had this experience as well. I think there's a lot of brands who are afraid to go anywhere near the African stuff. And so some of our partners on this issue uh, or, or people, brands that we're having conversations with about the next issue, we're like, hey, by the way, uh, are you guys going to talk about Africa as much in the next issue kind of thing? Because mm. I, think, I think some people, uh, they don't want to get pulled into the, the melee. Correct. The maelstrom. Yeah. So I... Plus
0: they also don't see themselves in it, right? They're like, yeah. uh, that's, that's not us.
1: I'm actually, I guess maybe I'm not surprised anymore. A lot of Western hunters are completely ignorant. Of course they are. About African issues. And here's the thing. Yeah. This,
0: is, this is why I think what you have done and the audience that you have is so important. Because it comes down to the old adage. Yeah. Well, I don't hunt in Africa, so I don't care what's happening in Africa. Right. Okay. It gets taken away. Oh, I don't care. I don't really predator hunt. I don't hunt mountain lions, so that doesn't bother me. Mountain lions get taken away. Mm-hmm. The the Africa piece.
1: It's a canary in the coal mine.
0: The Africa voice is what is going to come to America. Africa just happens to be easy. Totally. Super mega charismatic fauna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That elicit a bunch of emotions. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it today. I don't know if you saw it. Humane Society, their homepage today. Changed the image on their homepage, away from a wolf, to a mountain lion. Mm. Wolves are done. Yeah, Humane Society is not making any more money with wolves. Yep. They have tapped that bank, yeah. and it's done. <clears throat> mountain lions are next.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Which is interesting. Yeah, because I, you know, I, I we were having a conversation yesterday about there's so much focus on on in, in opposition to the taking of a leopard. Yet in some states, mountain lions are considered vermin, and there's not even a tag limit on them. You know, and they're very similar cats. You know, why why is that cat more important than that cat? Because the
0: mountain thing. lion is not in yeah. the jungle tree in exactly. the, the Jungle Book,
1: right? Exactly. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: Or doesn't look so. I don't. Yeah. Is it a leopard or a jaguar? It's Which a jaguar in the uh, Jungle Book.
1: In the Jungle Book, it's a jaguar. No, I don't know because it, it would be India. India. Then I think that's leopard. Yeah, it is leopard. Yeah, it yeah. is leopard. Yeah. So. Um, not that I'm a you know Disney historian. Maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that wasn't Disney to begin with. That was well. I think thing, that so. again. Back to the yeah. point.
0: I think it's it is incredible that your viewership, your re- not viewership, your readership mm-hmm. is going to now get a taste sure. of what is happening on the front lines in yeah. Africa.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I hope you know I, I, we we very much tried to present it as listen. These are these are the foundational. Um, beginnings of these much deeper conversations we're going to have. Um, Byron actually wrote prefaces to a lot of these stories to kind of lay the foundation. Mm. Some of it's, you know, I mean, another... I, I would say this is definitely the most serious issue we've ever published. Yeah, you for know? sure. Um, there's, I have one... I, I, I My other story was I went on a Cape Buffalo hunt in um, November of 2019 yep, yep, yep. in, in Maasai So that's that's one of the few adventure hunting, hunting stories. Adventure, yeah. Everything else is very... Um, it's very very serious very documentary yeah and then we did a full actually mark butcher wrote a whole story for us about the campfire model mm, and perfect. how that was founded and why it's significant and, and then how it's been applied in other areas um so hopefully did
0: you podcast about the campfire piece yet
1: has byron I, podcasted about it yet? Uh, i'm not sure if he has or not if he
0: hasn't yeah he needs to podcast with brian child brian child okay brian yeah. child is essentially the grandfather of campfire in okay. zimbabwe cool
1: yeah so I think that uh you know my hope would be that, that people find it interesting that they find it engaging and that that opens up uh you know their interest to it and and hopefully makes people a little more uh, you know open to going there and seeing this for yeah, themselves exactly. because you gotta go see it, you gotta go be there um to really appreciate what it is no doubt know? yeah
0: absolutely no doubt well man you you are doing phenomenal things, and know everyone's been waiting and waiting.
1: And waiting. <laughs> but yeah, me too.
0: I know you have. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited. I will. I uh, will plant a seed online right now with you. Thank you. Um, in that, we just received quite a bit of funding mm-hmm. to go and tell, to go get the proof of what happens when hunting is banned. Mm. I.e., go into a place that used to hunt. What does it look like today? And That's why I was asking about the sure. the Kenya situation. Yeah, yeah. Which is right now all we have is words. Yeah. yeah. You say you're pro hunting mm-hmm. ban. I say I'm against it. Yeah. I'm against it because you're going to decimate wildlife. You're going to deteriorate habitat. People yeah. are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. You're going to say bullshit. Yeah. You guys kill wildlife. I'm going to stop you doing it, and we're going to save wildlife because of it. Right. Your words against my words. Sure. So we're going to go get some proof. Cool. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super exciting.
1: No, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to compare notes on that because we we were we wanted to do dig into some of that we were actually going to do a whole piece on kenya's history and all that just we didn't have enough mm-hmm. time and we couldn't get over mm-hmm. there and kenya was difficult to get into and mm-hmm. um that's that british influence <laughs> still uh, a lot of covid a lot of unnecessary covid tests yeah yeah for and, sure you know how many of those were actually processed <laughs> and the money pocketed we'll see
0: <laughs> well uh, tell everybody when can you get a hand uh, uh, a copy in your hands sure
1: yeah so volume 8 um uh, is is shipping now so awesome it's on our site it's at our fulfillment center ready to go um and and yeah we're we're excited to uh get it out there and would love to know what people think you know we obviously we work so hard on this stuff and then sometimes we we get feedback but it would be great to uh to hear from anybody Um, email me a comment on our, our stuff but um especially if you know as we were mentioning someone who maybe hasn't been exposed to this kind of stuff before uh we want to know how we did and we want 100%. to know you know what 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 more do you want to know about and that kind of thing so that'd be awesome yeah
0: that'd be awesome well i need to go online and buy a copy you're not going to give me a copy i'm <laughs> we'll going to buy a copy that. no no yeah no. we'll do a trade
1: you got to support you can buy me a beer because beers are like 30 dollars <laughs> here and i'll give you one <laughs> deal okay
0: well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.
1: You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.